Um, if I'm going to speak to you, I figured you guys need to, more, to, need to know more than just my name. So I'm Zach, and I lead middle school boys. That's basically all that a lot of you know. There's three big things in my life that you should know. One, I'm allowed to be up here because I love Jesus. So check that off, you know? That's the number one thing in my life that you need to know about me. Second most important thing is I love soccer. There's Jesus. There's a pretty big gap, but then soccer. So, so soccer is like my favorite sport. If you ever want to talk about soccer, let's talk. If you ever want to play, let's play. If you have a soccer jersey, give it to me because I like to wear them. And then third is I'm a New Orleans Saints fan. So who dat? So y'all might have noticed that Braden always prays for the Cowboys. I didn't do that because I don't want to. And I, I, I like cut out that prayer every week when Braden prays it. And that's why they're bad, just so you know. <laughs> so lastly, the last important thing about me is my family. I think a lot of y'all can relate that you really love your family. And so in my family, they live in Ohio, um, which not my favorite state. Texas is way better. Can I get an amen? Yeah, thank you. So my family's in Ohio, and there's six of us. So there's my two parents, and then there's four kids, and love them all. They're really important to me. Um, my sister lives in Colorado. My younger siblings live in Ohio, obviously, and then I'm just like the kid in Abilene, Texas, like randomly. So that's how the family works. But what I want to talk to you about today is my little brother. So my little brother, his name is Brandon. He's two years younger than me, and we're both the middle children. If you're a middle child, I feel you. It's not fun. We, you don't get anything special. You're not first. You're not the baby that gets everything. You're just there. And so, so that's, that's who we are. That's Brandon and me. But it's awesome. Brandon and I are really close, and it's really great sometimes. The problem with us being really close is that I'm the older middle child, and Brandon always copies everything that I do. And so what happens is we get this thing where I have all my friends, and I like to think that I have a good amount of friends. And so I hang out with my friends, and we have a lot of fun, and Brandon's always like, hey, uh, Zach, can I hang out with you? Can I hang out with you? Can I hang out with you? And I'm like, it's my friends. Like, no. But he ends up hanging out with my friends. Or, or a better example would be, like, I, I got Spotify a couple years ago. Who has Spotify? Better than Apple Music, it's great. I started paying for it because I didn't want the commercials. I loved it. And then suddenly one day it was like, uh, I was in my car trying to listen to my music and then it was like, uh, you can't listen, someone else is listening on a different device. And I was like, who's listening on a different device? This is my account. And so I, and then I was like, oh, I know who it is. So I call Brandon and I'm like, hey, you like my music, right? He's like, yeah, I do. And I'm like, so you're listening to it right now? He's like. Yeah, I am. And so I said, get off. And so, and so not only does he try to copy me in terms of listening to my music, he actually ended up paying for his own Spotify, and he didn't create any playlists. He just followed mine. Like, that's how much Brandon wants to be in my life. Lastly, the, this is the best example, is that I got a car when I was 16, and I love my car. Love it. It's red, leather seats, red stitching on the leather, navigation system, perfect car. Love it. It's in the parking lot. Let's go for a ride. But... <laughs> Here's the thing, is that Brandon got to the point where he was turning 16, and my dad calls me, and he goes, Zach, I need you to talk to Brandon. I was like, why? And he goes, he's not researching cars. And I said, he's not researching cars? He was like, yeah, Zach, you like were like online everywhere. You went to every dealership in the world. You were in like dumpsters looking for cars. Like, like you wanted a car. Brandon doesn't care. And I was like okay, I'll ask him what car he wants. So I call him, and I'm like, what car do you want? He's 15 at this point, so he's about to get his license. He's like, eh, I don't know. And sure enough, 16th birthday comes around. He's getting a car. What does he buy? He buys my car, 
Mazda 3, leather seats, red stitching, everything's the same. The only difference is that his favorite color is blue, so the outside is blue, not red. That's the only difference. And so all this happens, and, and you know, it's like, cool, because I'm close with my brother and I love him, but I'm like, dude, you're just trying to be in my life. You're just trying to be in my life. And what I realized when I was preparing this message is that Jesus is the exact same way. Jesus is a lot like my little brother and that the truth about following Jesus is that he wants to have a hand in every little thing that you do. Jesus wants a hand in everything that you do. And so we're going to read Luke 5 to demonstrate this. So if anyone has a Bible, hold it up. I want to see it. The paper Bibles are awesome. The phones are just as cool. Not really. Um, so yeah. Okay, we're going to read Luke 5, verse 1. So when you're there, give me a woohoo. That's enough. Okay, cool. <laughs> it says, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water, bro. Let's let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full of fish that they began to sink. Simon Peter saw this. He fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. So do you all hear what I'm saying? Jesus kind of goes to Simon Peter and he says, I want to be in your life. I want to be in your life. And I want to be in your life. If you don't see it here, I'm going to show you. First, Jesus is crowded around by a whole bunch of people because Jesus is a teacher. He's really good. He's a pretty cool guy. So everyone's crowded around him. I don't like going to Six Flags because there's always crowds around me and I'm short and I can't see through them. And I freak out. I think that's what Jesus was like because everyone's trying to listen to him. He's trying to teach. But like there's just a whole bunch of people. He's like, how am I supposed to teach if all of you are taller than me right in this little circle? So he goes, boat, I'm going. And he just takes off for this boat. And he says, Simon, Peter, can I use your boat? He's trying to get in Simon's life now. He says, can I use your boat? And Peter goes, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, then he, so he gets in the boat, and it's docked, and Jesus actually says, hey, uh, let's, go, let's go on the water, dude. Let's, let's take it out. Let's go for a row, man. And so he does. And then they're on the water, and they're right off the shore, and so this crowd now is just on the shore. Jesus is in the water, and, and he just takes advantage of Peter's boat and just sits down in it and starts preaching. And he just does that. And so that happens. And then the, he finishes preaching, goes, hey, Peter, wasn't that a great message? Daps him up or something. And then he says, hey, let's go fishing. Like, we're already friends. We're already on the boat. Might as well. And Peter goes, dude, I'm already on the water. But sure, I guess. Because Jesus is like, I want to be in your life, Peter. I want to be in your life. And lastly, we see at the end of this entire story, they go fishing and everything. And then Jesus says, hey, Peter, I still want to be in your life. Will you just follow me? Will you just follow me? And so... You see Jesus begging these fishermen to say, I want to be in your life, I want to be in your life. And I'd argue that he's doing the same thing for you. I'd argue that he's saying, Finn, can I play video games with you, dude? I really, really want to play video games. I'd argue that he's saying, Aiden, can I throw the baseball with you? I really want to throw the baseball with you. And I'd argue that he's saying, Price, I know you're the lead in the play, but can I just be like this sub-character at least? Can I be in the play with you? I'd say that Jesus is doing all of this because the truth about following Jesus is that he wants a hand in everything that we do. He wants us when we're listening to music. Who listens to music? 
He wants to be in your life during that. He wants it to be in your life when you're in the cafeteria with your friends. He wants to be in your life when you're after school hanging out with your friends. He wants to be in your life when you're on a date with your girlfriend and boyfriend. Jesus should be there. He wants to be in your life when you're with your family, when you're playing sports, when you're in class and bored out of your mind at school. Jesus still wants to be with you. When you're at your job after school, still bored out of your mind. He wants to be with you. And even when you're playing video games on Saturday or binge watching Netflix from 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., Jesus still wants to be with you. He still wants to be there. And yet, a lot of us struggle to actually let Jesus be a part of our life in all of these things. I don't know about you, but like, when was the last time you said, oh, Jesus is actually on this date with me. Oh, Jesus is actually playing video games with me. So you see, the truth about following Jesus is that for him to feel present in your life, you actually need to allow him to enter your life. And we see this in verses one through three, so I'm gonna read them again. I know it's repetitive, but we're gonna read them again. It says, Jesus was standing by the lake the people there were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught people from the boat. So let's talk. He said, Peter, I want to use your boat. And it doesn't actually say that he asks this. It just says it happens. He just gets in the boat. So Jesus gets in the boat, and then he says, Peter, can we go out from the shore? Do you realize that Peter owns this boat? Just like you own your Xbox, you have the right to say no. But Peter says yes, and that's how this whole story begins, is that Peter says, yeah, Jesus, okay, you can actually come into my life. You can actually get in this boat with me. So, so Jesus not only gets in the boat, but he sits down. He literally gets super comfortable in Peter's boat. It's not even his. And he gives a sermon just like this on the water. He's super chill down here. He's just doing this. So the truth about following Jesus is that we need to let him enter into our lives. You know, um, I struggle with this. I told you all that, that I love Jesus. It actually happened in eighth grade. Someone told me the gospel. They said, Jesus died so that you could be saved from your sins. And my life changed forever. And yet I still struggle with this. And I think a lot of us do too. It's really easy to tune Jesus out, I think. A lot of times I can say, Jesus, like, I love you, bro. But like this song has some bad words. So can you just take a moment? Take five, Jesus. You get out of my life. I'm going to listen to this song, Okay. And then, and then, or we say, oh, hey, Jesus, there's cute boys over there in the cafeteria. And the girl, the girls, we're all, we're all going to talk about them. And we don't, I don't think you, I don't want you to hear about the boys over there, Jesus. So, so just take a break. Or, or, um, oh, Jesus, I'm going on this dinner date and it's going to be really romantic. I'm going to buy candles for her. Like, it's romantic. It's only for the two of us. It's romantic, Jesus. So just. For the next two hours, stay over there. It'll be okay, Jesus. Or my favorite, for, this, is for, this is for the boys out there. You're playing Xbox, and you are killing the zombies, right? You're killing them. And you are talking trash to every single person on Xbox Live. And you're saying, Jesus, I know this is mean, but I am killing those zombies, so just take a moment, dude. Like, I don't need you in my life right now. And, and the moral of the story is that we need to stop this completely. And you say... You say, but, but like, why is that such a big deal? Because there's no event in your life too small for Jesus. We're saying, Jesus, my Xbox playing is too small for you. Like, it's not a big deal. You're about like the big problems of the world, right, Jesus? Or we're saying, that date that I'm on, oh, it, we're, you're about the big problems. That's small to you, Jesus. Oh, like our conversation in the cafeteria, that's small to you, Jesus. That doesn't matter. But that's not true. What we need to be doing is praying to Jesus and saying, yes, Jesus, when I accepted you, I let you into my entire life. Big and little, Jesus, you're in everything. So, so you're saying, okay, why do we need to do that? What, you're saying, Zach, 
Why, why do I have to let Jesus into all these small things? And, and that, that gets to my next point that says, the truth about following Jesus is that what you do every single day affects your ability to serve God. So if you actually want to serve God and like do the will of God, well, what you're doing every single day is actually affecting your ability. So, so for example, these, these guys in this story right here were fishermen. I am not a fisherman. I'll, I'll start with that. I'm not good at fishing. I've been a couple times, like, and I last like an hour, especially if I'm not catching fish. Who's been fishing? You throw it, you reel, and you catch nothing. You throw it, you reel, and you catch nothing. And I've done this a couple times, and every time I get really bored because I'm like, dude, not catching anything. This is not fun. We're just standing here, and I, and I struggle to endure through this. But we're going to read verses 4 and 5 and see that these fishermen are very different than me. It says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. Do you catch that? We've worked hard all night. So these fishermen are way better than me at fishing. They don't last one hour of throwing down the nets and not catching anything. They've been out there all night from sundown to sunup. And why, you say, why are they fishing at nighttime? Well, because, because it's dark outside and fish actually have eyes. And so when the net is in the water the fish can see it and they just swim away. But when you fish at nighttime, the fish are just blind basically. And so they swim right into the net. So these guys have done this their entire life. Their job is fishing and they're catching fish at night, but they've had a lot of trips like this one where they go all night and they don't catch anything and they're really good at enduring. And I think there's a reason that Jesus chooses these guys to be his disciples. I think that them enduring all those sleepless nights where they catch zero fish helped them later in their ministry. Because if you don't know the story of Jesus, that he's there, he walks with the disciples who a lot of them were fishermen. And then Jesus dies on a cross. Three days later, he rises from the grave. He hangs out with them for a bit. Then he ascends to heaven. And these disciples start the church. And actually, 11 out of, 12, of the 12 of these disciples actually die because they're so committed to loving Jesus and they're so committed to starting the church and they're the reason that we're here today. So, so let's talk. Would you die for something? That takes a lot of endurance. There are people coming up to these disciples every day and saying, hey, you're that person that loves Jesus, right? You're that person. And they say, yeah, I am. And they say, oh, well, that means we're going to stone you. And they say, well, I love Jesus. It's okay. Could you, can you endure that much? I think that whatever you do every day is affecting how much you can serve the Lord. The disciples fished every day. They didn't catch the things a lot of times, and yet they could persevere through that, so they could persevere through the persecution that started the church. In the same way, I've seen this in my life a little bit. So I told you all that I love soccer. I play a lot of soccer. I started when I was three years old. I've three years old, and I've played every day since, basically. And I also learned in, in high school that I love Spanish. Si, yo hablo espanol, pero solo un poquito. But I took a lot of Spanish in high school. I took a lot, and I really wanted to learn about Spanish. And so every day in high school, I was training and learning more about Spanish. And in high school, God, 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 ugh, God opened the door for me to go to Costa Rica twice and Guatemala twice on mission trips. And you know what happened on those mission trips is not only did I get to speak Spanish, but I got to play soccer. And, and what I think is this, is that I would not have been effective if what I did every day was not play soccer and learn Spanish. Because without the soccer, I couldn't connect as well with the Guatemalans and Costa Ricans. They're a Hispanic culture. They love the soccer. And so I would just play with them all day. And then we get a water break. And rather than me just being able to sit back and take a water break, I knew Spanish so I could communicate and say, Hey, what's your name? How are you doing? And show them 
the love of Jesus and actually say, well, there's this guy who died on the cross to save you. Can you imagine that? And so what I was doing every day was preparing me all for that moment. What you do every day affects how well you can serve the Lord. And you say, okay, but like, I get that kind of what he does, but God doesn't actually care about what I'm doing every day. Well, you're wrong. God cares about what you're doing every day so much that he sent his son, like I said, to die on a cross. Think about that. If you were a parent, would you send your son to die on a cross? No, he cares that much about your every day. And also, if you don't remember, God created the world. I I hope you remember this story. God created the entire world. And so you know what that means? Is that he created you and he had a plan for you. And so with that, God is actually already present and active in this world. He's already over everything. So whether you believe it or not, God is here and we can see him working. And in verses six and seven, we see a miracle that he does when it says, when they had done so, when they had let down the nets, they caught such a large number of fish, their nets began to break. They signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. That's a ton of fish. Like, just think about it for a moment. Think of a boat. Has anyone here ever sunk a boat because you had so many fish? Plot twist, you haven't. I know you haven't. The middle school boys are like, yeah, we have. <laughs> like, no, you haven't. And so, so what does this say about Jesus? What does this say that Jesus has the power to catch so many fish that it could sink a boat? Well, it means that he has power over earth. It means he can actually act in earth and do miracles for you. And I think he's still doing that today. Um... So, so here's what I'd say is that I tell my middle school boys all the time that, that in my life, I pray to God in the morning, I read my Bible in the morning, and, and one of the things that I do in that 30-minute time period is usually how long it lasts, is I say, I ask the question, God, where have I seen you in the past 24 hours? And you know what's crazy is that ever since I started doing that two years ago, I've had an answer every single day. And God says, oh, well, I was in this, and I was in this, and I was in this. And you say, okay, well, God's not that active in my life. I bet you he is. Because you know what? Who was outside today? All of you probably went outside because you had to walk into here. Did you see the clouds up there? Well, God created them. So you know what? I saw God in the clouds because he created them. And you say, okay, cheater, like you're a cheater. That's like a fake answer. Where was God in my life? Where did, what did God do in me? And you know what? I've, I've also had an answer to that every single time. Because you know what? In, I'm going to flip over to James. I don't think there's a slide for it, sadly. But in James chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, it says, Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Did you hear that? That every good and perfect gift is from above. Every good gift is from above. And so what I realize is that every little good thing is God acting in my life, actually. Sometimes I have really good things that I can answer when I say, where was God in the past 24 hours? Well, I got to share the gospel with someone. That's God in the past 24 hours. Well, I really had a really good intentional conversation with my friend. That's a God showing up. But also I write down, God, I got free pizza in the past 24 hours. Let's go. Like that is God. If you don't think free pizza is 20, is free pizza is God. You're wrong. It's God. It's a good and perfect gift from God. And, and so Here's the thing. If you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior and something good is happening, that's from him. Case closed. God is already active around us. And lastly, we see in this story the natural response to God. The natural response when we see God moving in these ways isn't to do something. That's not it. The natural response is actually to give up everything. Because when we experience God's activeness around us, our response should be nothing other than surrenderance. 
We can read in verses 8 through 11, Simon Peter saw this, fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. He and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. So Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid, from now on you will fish for people. They pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. In these, in these couple of verses, there's two things I want to point out. One, they catch all these fish, and immediately it says, Peter doesn't count the fish. He actually drops to his knees. He says, go away from me, Jesus. I'm sinful. You're, you're here. I'm here. He drops to his knees. And I, and I tried to figure out an example. What, it, what does it look like when we get on our knees? And the only thing I can think of is a proposal. So who's seen a proposal picture? Raise your hand. Yeah, I think all of us have where you see... The guy gets down on his knee and he does this. He's on his knees. His soon-to-be fiance is up there and he holds out the ring like this. Why does he get on his knees? Because you know what? I bet a whole bunch of guys could propose like this. They know how to hold rings without being on their knees. They bought it at the store like this. <laughs> but they don't do that. That's not how you propose. Why do you get on a knee? Well, it's because you're saying, my future wife, you're important to me. You're going to be a part of my life. You're going to be a part of every decision that I make from now on. I'm proposing, I'm submitting, I am lower than you now. I want to be a part of your life. And so that's the same thing that Peter does. His raw reaction when he sees a miracle of God is not, he doesn't just like run around and be like, it's a, a, it's a miracle. He says, God, I'm getting down. You need, like, either you need to go away from me or like, I need a lot of help and I'm going to follow you everywhere because I am down here, you're up here. I need to consider you in every decision that I make. And then on top of that, this is a crazy part of the story, is that they catch all these fish, and they're fishermen. Remember that. This is their job. And so they get out of the boat in the water, and you know the boat's kind of floating still. So they, they pull it up on shore, and it's pretty heavy. And they get here, and they don't look back like this. They just walk. They go this way. They just caught a lifetime supply of fish money, and they don't look back. They leave it. It says in verse 11, they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Jesus starts walking, and they go... I'm following Jesus, like, bye, riches, hello, Jesus. They leave everything. So, so here's what I want to ask. What would happen if you gave up everything to follow Christ? What would happen in your life? Just reflect on it. And I'm not saying go break up with your girlfriend, go quit all your sports. That's not what I'm saying at all. Here's what I am saying is what if every single decision in your, in your life was as important as a proposal, where you have a decision to make, and you don't just think, this is my first reaction, but instead you think about it and say, God, you're here and I'm here. God, can you help me make this decision? What if you actually let God into your life and did that? If we factor God into every decision we make, we'd have answers to decisions like this. God, do you want me to listen to this song? I really love the beat. It's real nice, but the words aren't very good. Or, God... I'm in the cafeteria, my friends are here, they're talking about their Fortnite victories last night, I got a really nice Fortnite victory, but there's a kid over there that I see is pretty lonely, and I know he could use some extra love because there's some stuff happening in his family. What if we factor God into that decision? Or, or God, we just finished practice, I'm tired, all my friends are going to the locker room, but there's like cones out here, and my coach looks like he's struggling to pick them up, could I just go help my coach really quick? Should I do that, God? What if we factor God into all these things? And here's what I'm saying is that God wants to be factored into all these things. The same way Jesus keeps asking Peter, Peter, can I be in your life? Peter, can I use your boat? Peter, will you follow me? The truth about following Jesus is that he wants to have, an, have a hand 
in everything that you do. So I want to leave you with this. Before we dismiss to small groups, which will be on the thing, I want to ask you, are you willing to surrender to Jesus and let every single one of your decisions, big and small, reflect Jesus' heart? Let's pray.